we move on to the next session, which is going to begin with uh, Vital C. Nakarniji, a very, very senior uh, journalist. Uh, his uh, work has been mostly with Times of India, and uh, he has got a long, long experience in the field of journalism. He uh, uh, traveled across uh, the world, across the globe. And he moved into various genres of journalism, various uh, aspects of journalism, various focuses within journalism. And currently, he is, uh, he is a Bombaker. And in Mumbai, uh, he is involved uh, personally with many environmentalist movements and his own personal land and his own personal house is uh, dedicated for environmentalist work. Uh, let us hear uh, uh, Vital C. Nakarniji. Uh, his uh, work on healing planet Earth, Gaya. Uh, first of all, let me begin by virtually offering you something from our garden. Can you recognize what these are? These. This, these are bale, bale, this is bale, you know, Srifala, which we have grown in our own uh, sacred grove for want of a better word. This is something that I got involved as a uh, teenager. When my parents bought a large plot of land uh, in Mulund and uh, decided to build a house uh, in a traditional Mangalore uh, tiled cottage style with local trees around. Unfortunately, there was not a single tree standing on the plant, uh, on the plot. And we had to sort of reinvent the whole place from even a blade of grass. That is when my uh, parents' wisdom in consulting the local Adivasi inhabitants who used to live in the Sanjay Gandhi National Park then came in handy. They told us that this was the land which was uh, worshipped as Devachi Rai, which is what you would call in Karnataka Devarakadu, or the sacred groves that we are all talking about since the last two days. And to our great surprise, they located a single teak tree which was standing in the corner of our plot which was the original shrine of theirs, which had both a stone for Vagdev and their own uh, uh, earth spirit, which they did not name. They said that uh, when we bought the land, when we sold the land, the only condition we had was that we should be allowed to worship at this particular spot. And uh, of course, we were very glad to do that. And for several uh, years, we would have, especially after midnight, people coming there for worship by a separate route to this tree. Unfortunately, over the years, the community itself began to get dispersed and there were all kinds of mega socio-political cultural changes. And one fine day, we just found that there were no more worshippers of the community itself had disappeared. By then, however, we had garnered sufficient knowledge about the kind of trees, uh, plants, shrubs, beliefs 
that needed to go along with this uh, plot of eight and a half hectares that had been bought, which were divided into smaller plots for friends and family. So as part of this uh, regeneration, we, we started getting plants from the forest and from the uh, Adivasis, Katkaris, and then planting them into our, uh, our own uh, land. So this is the background against which I'm going to be, uh, you know, making my presentation. So I think I have, I have, uh, oh, uh, maybe Srinivasji can uh, start my slideshow because I shared my content earlier. It doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, loading. Yeah. Take the next one. Yeah. Now this is, uh, can you see it? Everybody. It's on the screen. This is the, this one, yeah. This is the Bharadwaj Pakshi, which you must be familiar with. It's called Crow Pheasant or it is also called Kumbhasthali in Karnataka. And it is, uh, it is sacred because its whooping call resembles, I think, uh, Vedic rituals being uh, enunciated. Take the next one, please. This is a paradise flycatcher which visits our uh, sacred grove as as I call our own house, Anant. This is a female fly, uh, paradise flycatcher. Its presence indicates, as its name does, that we are really in an urban paradise today. Next one. This is the local dhaman, which is something like a nine-footer, which allows uh, itself to be petted and uh, stroked and it, it comes, of course, it doesn't go to everybody. And one, uh, one, what shall I say, occupational hazard is, it does not like me to wear any clothes. So I have to sort of take off my shirt and all that for it to be able to come to me. Next one. This is the trinket snake from our uh, sacred grove, which my daughter is holding up. And the next one. Next one. Uh, uh, this. Uh, are you familiar with this bird? This is uh, called the Indian Pitta, which was commemorated by the Indian government on its postage stamps as one of the uh, prize jewels of Indian ornith ornithology. This is called uh, uh, Naurang because it has nine colors. And this is one of the migrants which regularly comes and uh, uh, takes rest and records in our uh, garden before it goes on to the Sanjay Gandhi National Park, which is next door. Next one. So imagine all this in stereotypical Mumbai. All this from this Devachiwadi that my dear departed parents uh, recreated on a large piece, piece of barren land they bought a lifetime ago. This is the personal perspective that I was hoping to bring to your wonderful webinar today. To start with, I also have to confess 
that I drafted my presentation before the coronavirus crisis with the following quote. Next one. The management of ecologically sensitive and biologically significant areas in our times has largely been driven by scientific, economic, or political. And after listening to Tarunji's brilliant exposition, may I say anthropological also, or ethnographic. The combination of science with spirituality, however, I believe, can significantly strengthen and deepen this healing of the Earth planet Gaia. That was my old beginning. That still stands. But the rest of my presentation has had to be changed radically. Let's start with a double irony that it's taken a full-blown crisis and a worldwide lockdown for this meme called the Earth is healing and we are the virus to go viral. Satellite images have shown a discernible drop in air pollution. Fewer vehicles on the road, fewer factories open means getting a breather from CO2 emissions. Next one. Likewise, notice the outpouring of posts showing the return of the wild in the human-free urban environment. Wild boars, for instance, have descended into Barcelona. The Welsh town belongs to the goats now. Snow-capped Himalayas being visible from far parts of northern India for the first time in residents' memories. And of course, not to forget the Chinese pandas in Hong Kong or Singapore, was it? where they, they mated after 10 years of arduous attempts by everybody, not forgetting the biologists. Before we go on and on in this vein, let's have all these infoids and factoids with a capital caveat C. Next one. Handle all these images, clear waters of the Ganga and the dolphins, etc., flourishing near Hooghly, all these with caution, warns the New York Times cultural critic Amanda Hess in a recent opinion piece. Because alluring as the images may be, they could be overriding a starker ecological reality. Next one. For stuck inside, we are eager to see what we are missing, Hess adds. Or we are projecting what we wish to see. But we are also freed to construct a version of the outside world through our collective imagination, spinning real environmental ships onto a real world Jumanji board. Now, this is, this is, as far, this is also part of the dynamic that I discern behind our collective uh, yearning for this Arcadia. This is not to sound a negative note, as Michelle warned us, but to be aware of this collective ache that we feel because we are out of sync with our nature. And this also may be a, an example of what uh, Tarun talked about, you know, E.O. Wilson's biophilia, that we may be hardwired or somehow, uh, you know, created in such a way to hanker for or to be in tune with our uh, environment. Now, what that environment 
cannot be a prescription that fits everybody. For example, the environment of the uh, Eskimo would be different from that of the Ituri forest pygmy. So that is a given. So while all these caveats are being discussed, I would still like to present a more heartening, seemingly counterintuitive eco-perspective for our coronavirus blighted times. And I would like to cite an edit piece I had written for the Times of India recently. Next one, please. There I spoke about what I call the good news about green thumbs and shoots. The good news was that Adam's progeny was earnestly trying to atone for our ancestral folly. And the planet Earth was literally, literally a greener place than it was just 20 years ago. Satellite images from NASA revealed what I called a counterintuitive source for this most of this brand new foliage. It was from China and India. The two emerging countries with the world's biggest populations were leading this surge in greening on land. The combined effect of tree planting and intensive agricultural works work out to a leaf area increase equivalent to more than 2 million square miles, equal to doubling the area of all of the Amazon rainforests or an increase of 5%. More amazing, China and India accounted for just 9% of the planet's land landmass, yet they were responsible for a third of its greening, and they were adding even more greens and uh, green thumbs and shoots, even as we were speaking. Next one, please. Next slide, yeah. To be fair, my comment actually began with a negative event. It was related to this catastrophic disappearance of emperor penguins from Antarctica. And uh, this was linked to global warming. I call this tragedy similar to the proverbial collapse of a star caused by the death of a sparrow. In the case of the penguins, the spark may have been lit by something equally small if not trivial, the chopping down of a sapling on the street. A much bigger cause, some scientists say, may be an invisible bovine in the room. And I'm talking about Gomata. Next one. And of course, burning of fossil fluids, which stands for an even bigger pachyderm in our parlor. But that should not let animal agriculture and meat eating off the hook either. And this I allude to the nonviolent perspective this morning. We cannot underestimate what meat eating has been doing to the world's environment. Collectively, we can no longer afford to cut down forests to expand grasslands just to grow feed crops meant only for animals slated for slaughter. Monoculture, however, is also not the right answer to the challenge of regreening the planet. Now, the ancient seers, in, this is where I come into the uh, uh, Indic perspective. We, our seers, knew this as well as modern ecologists, that the tiger dies without the forest. Bhishma ex exhorts King Yudhishthira in the Mahabharata. 
Similarly, the forest is destroyed without the tiger. The tiger should therefore protect the forest and the forest ought to defend the tiger. Tasmad vyagro vanam raksheed vanam vyagram chapalayet. Next one. Alas, the ancients also practiced ecocides, which is why we have inherited this flawed legacy today. That is the sacrilege of burning ancient forests to set up swanky new citadels. Notice the heart-rending detail in which the world's oldest novel, the Epic of Gilgamesh, depicts the murder of Humbaba, the guardian of the sacred cedar forest where the gods lived. Although Humbaba was a kind king who lived in a harmonious palace of the woods, he appears as a lion-faced terror with a flood-like roar to mortals who covet the sacred cedar trees. Next one. Humbaba is decapitated by Enkidu, the hairy beast-man turned bosom friend of King Gilgamesh, and the duo hacks down the divine trees to haul them off to timberless Mesopotamia. And closer at home, we have the founding of Indraprastha at the expense of the great Khandava forest. Like the Assyrian god Enlil of the sacred forest, Indra, the king of the gods, himself protects the Khandava forest. And he battles his own son Arjuna and Sri Krishna against the great conflagration that the two have set up. But Eden gets destroyed when Arjuna, Adam's power proves mightier than his rain godfather's aqueous element. This is the root of the enmity between Takshaka, the Naga king and the Kuru kings, which augurs later the genocide of snakes, Sarpasatra, at the beginning of the great epic. Next one, please. In spite of such burnings of ancient forests, whether at Khandavavana or Dandakaranya or anywhere else, particularly Amazon in the, around the world, I went on to argue that the good news from the recent NASA satellite studies was that the healing of the planet Gaia had already begun. Next one, please. From the sublime uh, cosmic to the humble particular, this is why I have chosen a personal perspective. A journey of a thousand steps begins with a small sapling. Maybe thousand trees, may I say? What you see here, see here are the palasha saplings that we initially commissioned to a group of Bandar Army, we called it, of Taruchatra volunteers. Next, next one, please. This Taruchatra or Tree Umbrella's uh, uh, volunteer force was set up in our society through our college and school uh, uh, mates and through our professors in the venerable botany department of the Ram Niranjan Junjunwala College that I studied systematic botany under Dr. Karmarkar. So we, we were 
possibly about an informal group of about 260 to 270 volunteers who worked in after college and leisure hours with armed with a little uh, uh, hatchet, if I may say, which, which had also a trowel and a bag like this. And we went on planting little saplings in what were Ugde Bodke Dongar, as the Katkaris called them, bare breasts of the mountains, which had been deforested completely. Next one, please. I'm happy to say that 60 years later, I'm still at the job. Of course, now a vehicle has replaced all our peregrinations because we need to travel even further and deeper into denuded lands. Next one, please. Next slide, yeah. But the result has been an astounding uh, comeback of the forest. It is, it is like, it is like uh, you know, the muscle that, that lies uh, unexercised and you feel that it has no life and then you start taking one little mushti and you start tightening your muscles and clenching your teeth. Next day it is better and better and better and at the end of the week, you discover that you are astonishingly mobile and strong again, getting stronger again. So this is the walk on the wild side that we cultivated in our tame little lives here. Next one. This is the kind of the Devarakadu, one of the Devarakadus that we re-established in this vast terrain on the hills bordering the Sanjay Gandhi National Park. Next one, please. Next slide, yeah. Now, in, uh, in keeping, uh, keeping my focus on your uh, Indic or traditional knowledge concepts, I would like to make the second part of my presentation through a few slides, not many. This, this one has already been sp spoken about by uh, distinguished speakers like Nandita ji and others. I am Nija Paro Veti Ganana Lagu Chetasam. Udara Charitanam Vasudeva Kutumbakam. Now, this famous axiom, which you find in several texts such as Itopadesh or uh, Maha Upanishad, which represents the hyper inclusivity of our tradition. And as President Obama reminded audiences all over the world when he came to India, this is the very verse which is engraved on the doorway of our Indian parliament. Next one. As mentioned yesterday, Vasudha is the planet Earth with its biosphere, atmosphere and uh, chromosphere, which was christened by the chemist James Lovelock and the biologist Lynn Margulis, uh, who's re related to Carl Sagan who named it Gaia after the Greek goddess Earth. And the Roman equivalent of this uh, Greek goddess is Terra, which uh, is also the name of the great uh, regeneration uh, project in uh, Mesoamerica, which the great uh, World Bank uh, uh, economist and photographer, Salagado, 
has established. And a beautiful film on this is also available, which I would urge all the participants and attendees to watch. Salagado's Terra Project. Next one. This is Edmund Dulac. Uh, you know, his, his take on the storytelling genius of India to the world. And I feel that with our success in greening now, and in the way we have coped with this uh, horrible crisis, we have earned the right to tell stories of to enchant the world with our stories in this green, uh, shall I say, not love, not war, against degradation. Next one. One of the things that I needed to present was how exactly this was done, the kind of networking that we had to do, the kind of uh, seed banks, the kind of saplings, the kind of long-term planning that needed to be done, documentation, and also the marking of areas where we had planted what. Like, for example, we got uh, agaru trees from Assam. Where were they? Uh, we got, we got uh, Raktachandana, we got Bijaka, we got uh, Tendu, we got, you know, uh, Nagakesara and zillions of other species. All of these needed to be sort of put in a map of sacred geography. I'm not trying to impose this on this, uh, on this uh, webinar, but I believe that the practical element, what Michelle yesterday talked about, action versus hand-wringing, is what we really need to do. And in this, one of the great verses from the Indic tradition that I cannot recommend too highly is this one. Sleeping lions don't catch antelopes. Destroying the biosphere is relatively easy. Restoring the ecological balance, uh, balance can be infinitely more challenging. On a planetary scale, of course, this needs great effort, great innovation, besides novel systems, wisdom, for what I call is howdini or out-of-the-box solutions. And to quote this uh, verse in the original, Udyamenahi Siddhyanti Karyani Na Manorathai Nahi Suptasya Simvasya Pravashanti Mukhe Duga. Next one, please. The same idea since uh, other speakers have also spoken about Vasudeva Kutumbakam. I thought we can also talk about the world as an egg. Yatra Vishwam Bhavati Eka Nidam. Environmental holism of our Indic, Indic tradition is also contained in the Vedic metaphor of the world as an egg, Brahmanda, or as a cosmic nest, Nidam. Next one. Uh, this brings me to a fusion of our wonderful past and an uncertain but equally exciting future. This is one of the uh, upper channels uh, excavated from a Harappan site near Dholavira. And you see an ancient print, clay print of a peepal tree, which was sacred to the Harappans as it is to the Buddhists and others. And this I, I would uh, offer as my emblem for this, uh, this 
this wonderful initiative of yours. Next one. And to the future, I offer, shall I say, Indica, Saraka Indica, or should it be Mesua? Mesua Feria is the name of Naga Kesara, which is predicted in the Buddhist tradition as the tree under which the future Maitreya is going to be born. And you know who the future Maitreya is. He is the great savior. Buddha was born, as you all know, under the Ashoka or the Saraka Indica tree. And I think it's a great synchronicity that your, your academy has been named after this great Indica, Saraka Indica, the Ashoka. But the future belongs to what the founder of the Asiatic Society of uh, uh, India, of which now I am an office bearer, a humble office bearer too, called possibly or arguably the most beautiful tree in the world. And that is Nagakesara, which is cobra saffron, which people in the Northeast would know as Nahor, you know, which is which was uh, grow, grown by descendants of Ashoka's uh, grandson and others in Sri Lanka. It is the oldest man-made forest of Nagakesaras in Sri Lanka. This is the tree that, that we have planted with great love and affection in the memory of my mother, who I would like to invoke at this particular moment as I move on to the next slide. This is a bijaka. Vijayasara tree. And I'm going to leave this as a quiz for fellow participants to find out why precisely this tree is so useful from both traditional knowledge as well as physiological, modern uh, medical knowledge as well. And uh, with this, the next slide. I would like to conclude with these mandara blossoms, which I have uh, harvested from our grove. The plants originally came from a from, um, source in uh, Myanmar border. These are uh, Bohemia uh, racimosa uh, blossoms, which are veneer, uh, revered as, as mandara pushpam, sacred to all our uh, you know, uh, gods and they are cherished or coveted inhabitants of paradise. Thank you. Thank you, Vitaldi. Uh, wonderful uh, anecdotal, come, theoretical, come. No, it had uh, many facets. Your presentation had many facets. Uh,